Welcome to the Factor Think Tank podcast. This is an educational activity funded by SOVI. This podcast is only intended for healthcare professionals. All views and opinions expressed are those of the participants only. Welcome to the Factor Think Tank podcast series on synovitis in hemophilia. My name is Maria Lisa Mancuso. I'm a senior hematology consultant at the Center for Thrombosis and Hemorrhagic Diseases of IRCCS Humanitas Research Hospital in Rozzano, Milan, Italy. In this episode, we will cover the prevention and treatment of synovitis, and with me to discuss this topic is Dr. Gianluigi Pasta, orthopedic surgeon at the Department of Orthopedic and Traumatology, Fondazione Policlinico IRCCS San Matteo, Pavia, Italy. Dr. Pasta, welcome, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Elisa, for this kind invitation. It's a pleasure for me to be here today. So I will start with uh, a question. So among hemophilia patients, which one are at risk of developing synovitis? It's uh, an odd question uh, for me, and uh, I have to say that maybe all hemophilia patients are at risk. Because, of course, we know that severe patients with the, are at risk, but not only, also moderate patients are at risk. And uh, we, don't, we know that no direct correlation between clotting factor levels and synovitis incidence has been demonstrated. And uh, I think that is an infor- useful information in order to understand that the onset of uh, synovitis is not only a question of factor levels. Uh, hemophilia, hemophilic arthropathy is not only a question of factor levels, but uh, we have to consider other non-hemophilia-specific risk factors for synovitis that are more related with musculoskeletal health, such as posture, feet loading, flat feet. We have to consider have a global evaluation of hemophilic patients from a musculoskeletal point of view. I see. This is uh, really interesting. So, of course, my next question is uh, if we can prevent synovitis, and if yes, what can be done to prevent synovitis? Prevention is crucial for patients with hemophilia, and I think that it's key to protect joints from long-term irreversible structural damage. And, uh, of course, the first step is to start uh, as early as possible prophylaxis, but it's not enough. We have to think that uh, relevant uh, clinically uh, joint bleeds uh, are not uh, uh, the main things that we have to do in our world, but we have to think also about microbleeds, and this kind of microbleeds are uh, needed to be avoided uh, uh, through prophylaxis. And uh, once again, we have to come back to the musculoskeletal system and we have to think about uh, additional preventative measures such as educational, physical activity and physiotherapy. Physiotherapy not not only after the onset of chronic hemophilic arthropathy or after surgery, but rehabilitation physiotherapy also in order to prevent. We are not to consider only the structural damage related with hemophilia, but also the functional damage related with hemophilia. I see. So you mentioned clearly that we have no data to correlate uh, levels, factor levels, and uh, the risk of developing synovitis. But on the other hand, you also mentioned that 
it's important, really important and crucial to prevent synovitis to start prophylaxis very early and to do prophylaxis properly. So my question is uh, maybe a little bit challenging, but my question is during prophylaxis, do we have specific factor rate levels that we should aim for in order to be maybe sure or at least to be confident that we are doing well to prevent synovitis? For our musculoskeletal expert, it's hard to answer this question to uh, really uh, consider the dermatologist in the world hemophilia. But uh, what I have to can say that uh, trough levels above three five percent may be useful to prevent synovitis. But uh, at the same time, we we know that we have few data about that, and that is not uh, true for all patients that we is not can be considered a universal value for patients with hemophilia and uh, uh, the, the present and the future hemophilia even from a musculoskeletal point of view is to think uh, to uh, personalize treatment personalized management is true for about uh, trough levels is true also about musculoskeletal health for our patients and I think that uh, we, we don't have enough uh, data to have the right answer to your question. Thank you. So maybe we will gather new answers, maybe or new, new data in the future about levels. Uh, what I can say is, of course, that with hemostatic treatment, we can provide at least part of the solution of the problem. Uh, by, you know, intensifying treatment, maybe providing those levels that you mentioned. But... Uh, is hemostatic treatment the only uh, weapon that we have to treat synovitis, or do we have more? Do, do we have co to consider additional tools to treat synovitis? We know that uh, hemophilia is a multidisciplinary disease, and this treatment has to be multidisciplinary. So when we have the opportunity to diagnose chronic synovitis, we have to treat. And we have to treat in different way in with all the weapons that you are, are available at your center. So, of course, hemostatic treatment uh, uh, changing is the first step, but it's not enough. We have the opportunity and we, we have to do and we have to take other decisions with the conservative treatments as uh, the use of anti-inflammatory drugs, also in patients with hemophilia, and once again with physiotherapy. But uh, we have to consider also uh, invasive treatment, uh, minimal invasive uh, as uh, radio or chemical synovitis that could be performed in an outpatient clinic way, but also surgery. Surgery is not only the last decision, the last way to treat synovitis, but uh, in some cases, has to be considered when we perform diagnosis. And uh, in my hands, of course, uh, arthroscopic synovectomy is the best way to treat uh, chronic synovitis because arthroscopy is a technique, is not only uh, a surgical procedure. So with arthroscopy, we can perform also the abridgment of the joint. We can remove anterior osteophyte of the ankle. So we can be able to treat not only chronic synovitis, so the, uh, the management of the inflammation inside the joints and the risk of bleeding, but we'll be able also to treat the mechanical conflict that we can have in the joint. And it will be a way in order to improve the uh, quality of life 
and the functional level of our patient, but would be able also to delay or if it's not possible to stop the disease progression for our patient. And I think that is crucial if we think of the, uh, about the future of our patients, because I hope and I, that in the next future we will be able to have uh, other weapons in, other, in our hands also to treat the musculoskeletal complication or the hemophilic uh, disease. Thank you, Gianluigi, for the interesting and engaging discussion. Thank you, Elisa, for having me and for this interesting discussion also for me. And uh, I think that it's always useful for, uh, for us and for the hemophilia community to talk and to discuss about chronic synovitis. Agree. So, from this discussion, we learned that synovitis development can be the consequence of non-protective prophylaxis. There is limited information on the correlation between factor levels and synovitis. However, prevention of bleeds, including silent bleeds, is crucial in this, in this setting because untreated synovitis can lead to overt and irreversible joint damage. When hemostatic treatment is not enough to solve synovitis, there are other treatment strategies that could be applied, such as radio or chemical synovitis or synovectomy. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to find out more about the Factor Think Tank, please visit the website www.factorthinktank.com. This is the end of the podcast series on synovitis. All previous episodes are available and can be found on the Factor Think Tank website.